Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, February 26th, if you're listening to this. Uh, and it's our 100th episode together. John, we did it. Wow. I can't believe they didn't cancel us. I, I was going to say, I blame you, the listener, for <laughs> allowing this many episodes to take place without demanding that we uh, get ourselves off these airwaves, but uh, shame yeah. on you. Yeah, it's your fault, but that's that's okay. That's why we love you and why we keep you coming back. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to say. So I, instead of rehashing the good, the bad, and and the weird, uh, we asked you, the listener, to tell us why this podcast stinks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I muted uh, the replies until this very moment, so I will be le- reading them live. It should, yeah, so it should be pretty interesting. It's a good roast here to, um, to start us off. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First one, and it looks like I'm not surprised CT yeah. and TC, our, our Michigan friend, jumped in immediately. First reply, why the podcast stinks? One, total fraud, <laughs> actually. Full agreement. Fair. Fair point. Two, you have to trick people into thinking that it's hosted by a guy who thinks Batman versus Superman is the best movie. That ever. that legitimately deep, cut that cuts me so deep. Also, that's a deep cut reference. Right. If you don't know that, um, true to our brand, we haven't updated uh, <laughs> the, the thumbnail uh, to our podcast, which is actually harder than. Challenge anyone here <laughs> to explain to me exactly how to do this because we are we're a good I mean we're literally a hundred episodes in. We 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 could have handled this at some point. And, and we've simply chosen not to. But uh, I, I will say we've also tried and just failed. And Chris Vanini has his name on it, and he actually believes Batman versus Superman is the best movie ever. I gotta tell you, that is an incredibly shitty take. Yeah, that <laughs> listen, Chris is kind of there's like a little cottage industry of making fun of Chris for his vanilla takes and this is the one that this 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 is the the piece de resistance of uh bad takes from Chris Vanini who obviously we we love here at the only colors but wait so CT's only two of four. Oh yeah he's got more to go three but yes you, you thought take. you thought Purdue was going to be better this year without Carson Edwards and uh, uh, for listen, the big ten hand up yeah this is on this one's me oh and me well all right well both we both and raised here, our and hands here's and here's Here's why. Um, I'm not justifying it. I think we both disliked Carson Edwards' game so much right. that we were just we're just we're hating. We were projecting. We were hating. Yes, we were I, just being haters um, is what we were. And number four, and most importantly, uh, we're both butt snacks. It's just true. 
great word. Everyone needs to use it. <laughs> okay. Um, keep going? Yeah. We, right. got, we, got, we should get through at least three or four. Okay, Nate. Why this podcast stinks? Let's see. I need a new <laughs> few posts for this. One, pretty sure John is the biggest jerk on Twitter. Austin isn't <laughs> far behind. If it wasn't for the actual pod, I'd say you're just Russian bots that have gone road and decided to talk about Michigan <laughs> State sports. Oh, man. I, dang. Advanced statistics that I don't understand but give me false hope that Michigan State is good. But then they're not because Matt is student. You can't trust it. <laughs> if Matt Sheehan can put a pot out once a day, so can Okay, you. two things here. The last part's absolutely not true. No. Like, he can do it because he is, he is a machine powered by Mm-mm. hatred. Like, he's powered by other people's hatred against Michigan State. It's his own nihilism, yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. Nihilist fireball. The brand name is fitting. Mm-hmm. And I think the encapsulation there, advanced st- statistics I don't get, and then math is stupid, is a very good encapsulation of our brand. Well, we're just... You're, you're the statistics guy, and I'm the... Nah, math's dumb. It's <laughs> well, just I simply just, not going to work. Well, it's me trying to tell myself right. that things could be better. Um <laughs> <laughs> MSU Sports. Of all the topics you could yammer on for two hours, you picked MSU Sports. Who doesn't? <laughs> Tremendous question. Stop apologizing for going along. Stop telling me how to waste my time. <laughs> Why is someone's mic always louder than the other guy's? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's because one of us speaks louder than the other, and that's legitimately it. We, if you guys could see our setup, we are sitting equidistant in a, in a room, both facing the same computer. There literally are no microphones. Well, yeah, um, just peek, the one in our computer. Peek under the hood. Yeah, a true professional <laughs> podcast with no microphones. Yeah, which is true. The brand we've, by the way, recorded this in what apartments mm-hmm. via Skype. Yep. And now we're technically in a conference room. Oh, upgrade oh, of yeah. And we were in an Avid studio at one point, too. So, yeah. We, <laughs> if, you, if you guys thought that we were here in some professional studio looking into microphones and, and looking up things like stats, um, watching tape. Often I'll catch Austin on the Twitter while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got to get these jokes off, son. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you got you jerks don't even live in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. You don't even count correctly. Random breaks. <laughs> Sometimes for several months. Just because it's summer doesn't mean I have extra stuff to listen oh. to. You hardly ever talk about hockey, and when you do, it's basically, oh look, hockey. Okay, that's enough hockey. <laughs> Two or three of us really like hockey. I, I was inspired by that chance the rapper skit where it's let's do that hockey. Dude, that's about as far as we ever needed to really go. If you uh, do you really? My question, honest question. I can't imagine anyone who understands hockey would want to listen to two people who have no context. Right. I mean, I don't understand why anyone would want to listen to two guys who have no context about basketball or football. Fact. But I think especially hockey would be like like we don't even want to pretend that we know anything. We got into men's soccer pretty hard last year. Yeah, that was. Fun. But I think we went the depth on men's soccer that everybody else went on men's soccer. Mm-hmm. Like we all had our fun. It was great. I don't remember a single player, but you know we had a good time. Um, yeah, I didn't either. But they st- okay. Let's see. Um, <laughs> here's, a, here's a good you one. Go, give me Jack Jack William MS Jack William MSU. Oh, I see what you did there. 
if you put a pair of headphones in your nose, you can actually smell how much this podcast stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Phillips, you stink because you lost track of how many freshmen played last year after like week two. That's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> a really good point. Um, <laughs> wow. It stinks. MSU, go MSU, boy 69. It stinks because I farted while listening and it really stank. And my favorite moment is when you complimented my Mel Tucker news breaking handle, to be yeah. honest, because I'm self-absorbed. Like yeah, it's true. Well, you got to give the butt boy his uh, his credit where it's due. Um, I, I think I got two more here. Um, <laughs> TZAM2299, y'all get my hopes up that something good will happen way more often than would be reasonable. <laughs> And big fan of the goodness matrix. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, and then he actually says, say, a nice, say one nice thing. Oh. In all seriousness, the pod has helped me understand football, basketball, and a conference as a whole way better, and I appreciate that. Wow. One genuine compliment. All we were looking for. One here. satisfied customer. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Brooks, lots of great moments, but the total turnaround on football from two weeks ago yeah. to last week gave me whiplash. <laughs> Um, oh man! Uh, two more. Dan Hell Pepper. It stinks because you're both as excitable as John L. Smith after a special teams mistake. Granted, that's also why it's good. And the Sarahs don't host more often. Oh, agreed. Fair. I think the Sarahs should just have a podcast. Yeah, it should probably just take ours. <laughs> <laughs> we, we hit a hundred. I don't know how much further we can go. The development of the goodness matrix is the best moment. Um, and then my favorite one, which is uh, another Zach Brooks one, and is a big. Deep cut, but it makes me laugh because Dom and I were together at the podcast for some time. I don't know if it's just the 100th episode of John and Austin. It is. But in the pre-John era, Don Garrett predicting MSU football to go 12-0 in 2016 will never not make me laugh to, oh, no. laugh myself to tears. To Dom's credit, he owns this so hard and replied with a, <laughs> a clown mask. Hey. Uh, they, hey. In that year, Michigan State went exactly 3-9. Uh, and nine. Hey. A fourth of the way there. <laughs> oh god, okay, that, so, that one still makes me laugh too. Okay, quick, we'll put you on the spot. Oh, worst. Do you remember a worse take that either of us have had than that? Well, just in the spirit of bad takes. I mean, the Purdue one's bad. Uh, oh boy, uh, on the spot. Mm -hmm. I think we both really got each other to believe that coming off of that ten and three season. Oh. Yeah. Like, we really talked ourselves into uh -huh. Brian Lewerke going pro after his junior year. Oh, big time. We talked ourselves. Yeah. I mean, to say that there's not incriminating evidence buried deep in the probably <laughs> somewhere from the 30s to 40s of our run here is is just a lie. I, I, I'm trying to think of what. Well, I will say there was a stretch where we were trying to talk ourselves into Tum Tum. Oh, there, whoa, yeah. yeah. That, that one's bad. That uh, was but okay. then the, talk about a tonal turnaround. Uh, yeah, we, we, I turned on Tum Tum. You did, hard and fast. Hard, yeah, not not my proudest moment. I'm trying to, yeah, I don't know. I need to think, oh, no, you know what the worst take is? What? We convinced ourselves that the reshuffling of, oh, the, work. of the coaching staff like might <laughs> might not just be a complete and total disaster. And I was in our defense, I think that's our job. Is Recaps? to is to make people be as is to at least make you think like, well it might it it might not be oh, completely what asinine. What did it, that was okay, so if we learned anything from the transition from mm. D'Antonio to Mel Tucker, 
we can't, we got to make, learn this lesson. We can't always uh, kiss the ring of the king. No. If Izzo's making mistakes, you know, and doing dumb shit like that. Yep. We can't be afraid to be like, dumb. Yeah. No, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, uh, I think we may have uh, lied to ourselves a wee bit there. Yeah, well. As, as most would do. But um, I'll stop apologizing for going long. That's fine. I'll do it. Sure. I and, think. you know, maybe we won't take three-month breaks. Won't promise anything. I feel like we might. It still is the summer. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where the Sarahs come in. Oh, I love it. So I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, and one other thing that will keep us coming back. Now, you and I were talking about this with football. Mm-hmm. We have a new head coach. Mm. Every assistant we've hired, which we're about to talk about, uh, has some type of recruiting background oh. and, like, is pretty into it. So now that we've got a little – I think my – the last two or so years – my interest in recruiting mm-hmm. has dwindled significantly. Mine and mine has never been there, but that's sort of been as a result of right the the D'Antonio take on recruiting, which is go find maybe not so exciting guys and mm-hmm. make them very exciting at the college. It was a level. program of development, yeah, which is great. And I'm not saying that goes away. That's fine. But I think these guys are going to be pushing. Uh, a little harder We've for some some big fish already up front. already seen some uh, offers go out and we're going to celebrate offers, but uh, names and star levels that are unfamiliar mm-hmm. to me. I mean, I love that they're. I think what they're trying to do is set a tone and say whether they say no or not, mm-hmm. we are making a statement that we believe we belong in these conversations and. You're not West Virginia. West Virginia, I think, offers like 400 kids a year or something right. just insane. Kinda, you're kinda not like it. Respect. Kinda Spray like and pray, baby. <laughs> but I, but you know, I think at a, at a certain point, this is this is exactly what Michigan State needs to do. So that transitions us. Well, first, actually, let's let's stop for a second. With all, in, in complete being completely open, honest, and earnest with everybody that listens, I genuinely want to thank you guys. You make us doing this every week really fun. The Twitter part of it is amazing. Uh, I think we have a great community. And um, you guys really are kind of like the reason we keep coming back. Yeah, we don't give it to you every single day like some other people. But, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, once a week, we kind of make the make the weight worth it. And, and honestly, like, you know, uh, this has been so much fun to be to do this with with you for 100 episodes. Maybe uh, 100 more. Hopefully. All right. Talk to me about... The new era, a new era. Sheesh. for uh, We're hitting to the hundreds of our podcast. Let's yeah. start a new era here for our um, first coaching change. Oh, wow! Wow! Hopefully the last. Hope, yeah. Hopefully, yes. Talk to me about our uh, new faces. There's and a some, lot. Some some. some There's a lot. Touched on them though. Yeah. So when you I, Mel Tucker's staff is basically complete. Um, really kind of from top to bottom. There are a, a couple open positions out there um, that are that are still available, including defensive coordinator. Now, I think it'll be interesting to see how that kind of evolves, but let's look at both sides of the ball because I think the, the hires he made, it's a really interesting blending of strategies. And I think it, I is, it. it's kind of genius. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Mike Tressel currently, you know, Mike Tressel, who many thought would get a long look as the head coach, Ends up being the linebackers coach with some TBD in there to possibly be the defensive coordinator. Not really sure how that's going to look yet. Yeah, we'll see. You've also got Ron Burton, who was also retained as the defensive line coach. Uh, and then Harlan Barnett was brought back from Florida State. 
was once Michigan State's co-defensive coordinator, was Florida State's defensive coordinator for a couple of years or about a year and a half, is now the defensive backs coach. Those, no fly zone. No fly zone is back. This is the guy who was the architect of a very good – these are three, honestly, three guys that played absolutely integral roles in creating some of those great defense. I mean, I think you can make a very strong case. I actually think it's kind of an open and shut case that um, – uh, Ron Burton was Michigan State's best hire under Mark D'Antonio from a position coach Absolutely. of a guys he didn't bring with him originally. So you've got these three dudes and what that does for you, which I think is so exciting, is that it maintains a level of continuity on yeah. the side of the ball that gave you your identity. Well, and with the kids. Exactly. I with mean, the the, players. These, ki- these players came, you come in p- to play for a position coach. I mean, maybe... The head coach plays a part of it, but mm-hmm. you really do come to play for that's the guy who was recruiting you generally. Yep. Right. And and so to your point, you know, that's a really important to have a few of those faces um, stay on. Yeah. And even with bringing back HB, I mean, he recruited a lot of these kids. Exactly. Like, honestly, the upperclassmen at Michigan they, State they were, him. were a lot of them were recruited by Harlan Barnett. Absolutely. And so it's exciting to have that level of continuity. And these three guys are three of Michigan State's better recruiters, regardless of the side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So the, the, that combination is uh, is super exciting, and I love what it says about Mel Tucker because it says that he respects where this program has been recently, and he acknowledges you need this consistency moving forward. Mm-hmm. One of the other sneaky, really good hires is Ross Ells, who is the Michigan State Special Teams Coordinator. He was linebacker and special teams coach at Colorado, previously was the Purdue defensive coordinator for a year. Um, those defenses weren't good, but that's okay. He's not coaching defense anymore. Um, yeah. What I think is a sleepy, like a, a sleeper storyline here, is Michigan State now has a special teams coordinator. Important, and now it's his only job. And it's funny. This gets—I didn't even, honest to being completely honest, I didn't even realize it mm-hmm. until someone said it on Twitter. I was like, "Oh, this is the first time they've had a, defense, a special teams coordinator. They never really had. They never had it under Mark D'Antonio. Mm-hmm. And you saw the special teams slip. Then the special teams were honestly." after the first six years of D'Antonio, we're never good again. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty awesome, especially when you consider the return part of this, like the return game part of this more than anything else, that it's it's very exciting that there's somebody dedicated to this. So those hires, Rossell's obviously not a familiar name to Michigan State folks. Those four hires and slash retentions, I think are, are home runs so far. Yeah. And now we look ahead to the offense. Five new names, but... Names that are familiar with either either um, uh, sorry either Mel Tucker or with the Big Ten in general. So offensive coordinator slash QB coach is Jay Johnson, who was Tucker's offensive coordinator for his year at Colorado, and then additionally uh, a analyst at Georgia during his time at Georgia. I don't, from what I've seen, his offense won't be particularly mind, you know, mind-bending or revolutionary. It's going to be kind of that multiple offense that Michigan State has always uh, run, especially in their best years. So, it'll be interesting to see what he does there. Tight ends coach is Ted Gilmore, who was brought over from Wisconsin and has been a, one of their better recruiters. Uh, and I think that's a theme you're seeing throughout all these hires. Well, here I just want to jump in on that one. Uh, some Badger friends um, made a point to say while overpaying him by giving a tight ends coach a million dollars or whatever it was. And I just said, I ah, don't speak broke. Like, it's not my money. It's not like a cap. Yeah, who cares? Who I care? Oh, I'm sorry. Your program, which is legitimately better than Michigan State's right now, couldn't up the ante for your tight ends coach. 
So, sorry. And guess what? I mean, Vince Morrow was also a tight ends coach. I mean, who cares, dude? Whatever. Spend like, the money. He's you're not you're not hiring him to come in and be a great tight ends coach. To be honest with you, you are hiring him to come in and recruit. Yeah. That is why Ted Gilmore was brought in. He and did if a, a lot tight of, end catches a ball, I'm here for it. Listen, tight ends didn't catch balls for Michigan State the last five years. That's are we I'm really saying. worried about it? Like we're gonna be fine. Um, so love that hire again. Actually, guy familiar with the Big Ten. Awesome. It's great. Let's talk about. Back to takes. Oh, boy. This is bad for me. So uh, not necessarily bad takes, but takes where you wanted to make us believe. Yeah. Tight ends. Uh, yeah. Probably for every year that I've been doing this with you, right? <sighs> yeah. It's my fault. I fall on the sword. I want something so bad <laughs> that I just convince myself that it's on the roster. And, we... and I still believe in Trenton Gillison. Hey, Sure. Use him. Let's see what... Use him. Well, hey, you know what? Ted Gilmore will give him a look. Great. All right, keep going. Wide receivers coach Courtney Hawkins. Amazing. This is an, it's, I think this is a really interesting hire. Um, this is a relationship slash legacy slash inroads in Michigan hire. I, this is not a, wow, this guy's coached a million great wide receivers because he's never been a position coach before. But he was the AD slash head football coach at Flint Beecher, a program that he kind of brought back from nothing. Also, obviously, a Michigan State alum, uh, longtime football player. Can I give some stats? Please do. I'd love that. Okay, so uh, Courtney Hawkins, current or eighth all-time in receptions with 138. Um, let's see. He also uh, 16th all-time in touchdown receptions with uh, 12. And sixth all-time in receiving yards, which is incredible, yeah. with 2,210. So, um, and is eighth has the eighth best, um, eighth best ever season receiving yards with over 1,080 in one year, which is that's that's so he's, he's a guy he knows he's the an position. all-timer. He knows he, the he knows, and the, it's not that he can't coach the position. Certainly, it's just that you know. He's never done it before, but I love what it says. It brings back it's, – it's similar to the defensive coaches. It brings back another Spartan legend, a guy who knows the program, respects the program, and a guy from Flint where you can recruit from. A guy who has inroads in the state of Michigan, probably knows every AD in the state because of his previous role. Mm -hmm. So really exciting hire. Again, theme of recruiting here. Running back coach William Piegler. I think this is an interesting one because he was a, a Colorado offensive quality control guy. I don't believe he's ever necessarily been a – position coach before but he worked at clemson i think he might have been at alabama as mm -hmm. well so he comes from programs that have this championship dna and he's super young i think he's like 30 years old so or pretty pretty young guy so that's obviously very exciting as well and what that says for um you know the future there finally we've talked about him before on the offensive side chris kapilovic uh offensive line coach we talked about maybe our favorite hire being um, bringing some of these guys on the defensive side back, but the Kapil Kapilovic, Kapilovic, whatever, <laughs> he will find out when the season starts. Uh, he, what he can bring to the table is potentially very, very powerful. He took uh, Colorado's offensive line from one of the worst to one of the best in the Pac-12 in one season. And the, F the issue is not with Michigan State's talent on offense, off the offensive line. I think it has been with the deployment uh, – of their uh, like just the system well and it's the most important position that michigan state frankly has sucked at sucked for we've, a while we've heard even when those teams were great they no, weren't that we've good. heard pound green pound for for 13 years and michigan state even in its very best year 
record-setting year. Mm -hmm. I think I told you they finished fifth yep. in the conference in rushing that year. Yeah, they haven't done it. I mean, really, you have to go back to the days of Jeremy Langford for, for anything resembling even a then, competent rushing offense. Even then, yeah. fifth. Yeah. Like, this is not good. So, so to have a guy who's going to be concentrated on that. And honestly, Michigan State has, and maybe this is another tight end's take, but they, they're the lower, the guys you saw start to come up and play towards the end of last year are relatively highly re, uh, regarded guys. Between Devontae Dobbs, Nick Samick, J.D. Duplain, Spencer Brown, these are all dudes that had offers from big-time schools. Well, and, and some were highly rated star-wise, too. Well, and let's take it a step further. The starters next year should probably all be five seniors. Mm -hmm. Now, will they start? I don't know. But um, you have that base. Mm -hmm. Now, learn... I'm just saying there's a lot of depth there. He has a lot to work with. Is it he any does. good? There's young talent we know of. Well, here's the other part is I really like the fact that we have a, a fresh set of eyes on this yeah, offensive line group. Because I think that the Bowman Staten era probably was just more comfortable mm -hmm. with consistency than anything else. Right. Uh, and this gives you, I, I think in general, a new set of eyes on this roster is going to help maximize the talent level. Because I, I think you just got, you saw guys just get comfortable mm -hmm. with uh, people they knew. So again, the offensive group. While I don't, I would as a caveat, would not expect to see some crazy dynamic shift. No, but I think you could see essentially a much better version of what you the the type of ball you've tried to play the past couple of years. One big one to keep in mind, <clears throat> um, as it it couples well with the offensive line coach is Ken Manny retired, the strength yep. and conditioning coordinator. That is still open, and um, we've just seen so many injuries yes and wondering how much of that is related to strength and conditioning we'll see um especially in years to come um how that plays out especially on uh, offensive line yeah it'll be very interesting to see w what happens there because i think a big part of the injuries pay played a big part over the years i mean talk about those good offensive lines conklin got injured allen got injured Mm -hmm. The Donovan Clark got injured. I mean, all Cody Keeler got injured. All of those good offensive linemen all went through big time injury struggles. And ever since, and the, the, the same thing has been true. So if you're not playing, it's funny. Every year you see the Bama Georgia offensive lines that are the best in the country, it's the same five guys. Mm -hmm. And Michigan State's never really had the ability Where to do that. We've lulled ourselves, or we've told ourselves that, you know, everyone's has experience and that's good. It's like, it's not, you know, to an extent, but you really need. Five guys yep. that are you need consistent. five dudes that know how to because communication is the biggest part of it. So I'm very excited for that. Um, there are a couple other big hires here. Director of Player Personnel Jeff Martin comes with, uh, I believe, comes with Tucker from Colorado. Cody Cox, the director of football operations, I believe is is similar. And everybody, the crowd favorite signing, which again shows so much good about so many good traits in Mel Tucker. Darian Harris getting hired as director of player engagement. Now, do I have any idea what that title means? No. Do I care? Absolutely not. You brought back one of the more highly regarded players of, honestly, the entire D'Antonio era. Was he the best linebacker MSU had? No. He probably wasn't even the best linebacker on the teams he played for and the teams mm -hmm. he was captain on. Mm -hmm. But he just kind of embodied what Michigan State 
was. He's not a highly related, regarded, uh, rated guy. Came in, busted his butt. I think it was a three-year starter, team captain, all Big Ten type of player. Um, and really was part of that last great Michigan State stretch. I think he, he was one of those seniors yeah. that was on the national the, or the, the college football playoff team. To bring him back, to relate to a lot of these guys that are on the roster, to connect eras is, again, I... I are these all the greatest position coaches in the entire country? Is this a bunch of Brett Venables and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's and all that, which I realize is not in college anymore, but um, like, is it all those guys? No, but the, when you look at this group of coaches he's put together, there's a lot of familiar faces that have done really, really good things in their time, recent past at Michigan State. There's past players, there's new sets of eyes on the ball where there needs to be new sets of eyes, and there are proven people who have proven they can not only recruit, but develop talent. And, you know, listen, this is all on paper. We might be cursing Jay Johnson's name come game three this year. Sure. But sitting here today, uh, it's hard not to be excited about the group of guys that he's brought in. Absolutely. So uh, Mel Tucker, you know, he inherits a team that uh, the S&P rankings came out for the next season. Yep. Michigan State, 45th overall, 106th on offense, 21st on defense. That is... Um, going to be behind Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and now Indiana. Um, so I, I, he's got a, he's got a hands, hands full here, and I think year zero, and we've talked about this, needs to be met with, I don't want to say lower expectations, but at least they, understand the ceiling of a tw- the 2020 team. I think that the term lower expectations sounds bad but is honestly just exactly what we we need to have. And we've talked about expectations since we started this, all 100 episodes probably. Mm -hmm. And it's not Michigan State's fault, but it's the the culmination of having a new coach, all new position players, a new quarterback, losing a ton of talent on defense, and having, on top of all of that, just a really difficult schedule. For no matter how talented your team is, you'd be looking at this schedule thinking, this is tough. Mm-hmm. So all of those things put together, um, you know, tell me that we're, we're looking at, you know, this might be the first year since D'Antonio's first year that we should be genuinely excited about making a bowl game. And yeah. I think you can build off that. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it this offseason and uh, recruiting come in, but let's take a commercial break. Commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. Hey there. There's no telling if we're going to get that break timing right, just for the record. Oh, okay. Good to know. We'll find out. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit of men's hoops. So um, Michigan State went and played at Nebraska and uh, home versus Iowa since we saw you. The Nebraska game was a little wild. Um, shut down Cam Mack, which was surprising to me um but more surprising is that gabe brown and kyle Lawrence both showed up um both having i believe uh not career high season highs gabe brown may have had a career high 
Um, and it was also the Jack Hoiberg game. It was probably the, <laughs> the most fun we've had. Uh, Jack Hoiberg uh, starting for Michigan State, um, surprising his father, Fred Hoiberg, as the coach. Just going to put it out there. Michigan State is 1-0 when Lil' Mayer starts. And Don't Lil, shoot the messenger. And Lil' Mayer also has a new nickname after this game. Step back, Jack. Step back, Jack. I mean, let's. Does he big sh- fan? Should he get minutes? Let's talk okay. about it. Here's an actual question: Should he get minutes? Look, I don't even know, man. But um, other things to the reason Michigan State won this game is they were 13 for 27 from three, despite 22 turnovers, a season high. And if you're not valuing the ball this late in February, I there no one can help you. No one can help you. I, I look at this game and I see a very, like, early... No, nah, not even early. This is a very... Uh, Jesus Christ. A very 2019 Michigan State game mm-hmm. where you just made enough shots to to win and you were just well, kind of the better. Well, Nebraska's bad. The, right, and you were just the more talented they're, team. Have we, have we said they are... What were the, where are they on the goodness matrix? Somewhere in the toilet bowl. Well, they're just not... They can't be good. Yeah, just a dump site. Like, not good is, is not necessary. Like, it's not possible for them to be anything but not good. Um, I think the other thing we learned is Aaron Henry can contribute. He had 13, 9, and 5, um, which... Well, I mean, th- this was the night which is... So, f- I think that game was fun to watch. It was like a relief, but it was also like a what the hell, man. Like, mm-hmm. th- uh, like everybody has been saying all season long, Michigan State just needs that third player to show up. We talked about it at the beginning of the well, year. Well, and, and all three of the third people showed up. Well, right. And against then, Nebraska. And then the latest candidate who we thought might be that guy, uh, Rocket Watts, had an absolute clunker of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw another piece, uh, Julius Marble, all but out of the rotation um, when when not going up against big guys. And that the takeaway was, um, you know, if there's not going to be an answer at the four, if it's not Marcus Bingham, if it's not Malik Hall, you know, and Julius Marble's going to play himself out of the rotation unless he has to go up against a true big, then, you know, honestly, you just need to go small ball on it. Yeah, so, and I think that was the thing that MSU was able to do last year, that with Kenny Goins yes. being the four, well, they were able to play small ball. Absolutely. And they haven't had the chance to do it. So there was an extended pause, and honestly, it's because <laughs> the MSU-Iowa game was happening while we were recording, and I just said, I need a timeout here, Austin. We're going to finish the game, and then we will uh, give the Iowa analysis. So here we are. Here's the Iowa analysis. Um, MSU wins by eight, um, and in a game where most of you probably, you'll probably be listening to this on Wednesday, and you didn't go to bed last night because <laughs> you're exhausted emotionally but couldn't sleep as is the case with many Michigan State uh, basketball games this year. Um, Huge win for Michigan State. Keeps the Big Ten title hopes uh, alive. A little uncertain, but hey, nothing's out of the the realm of possibilities, especially with Maryland headed to Minnesota this week, which we'll talk about soon. But let's talk about this Iowa game a little further in depth. Garza... um, had a quiet 20-9 and nine night. Uh, if you can neutralize a national player of the year, he was that. And that can you can give a shout-out to every big, um, most of which were overmatched, but did a great job holding their own, and that's what depth is important. Yeah, I think when you look at Tillman on the box score, you're not going to see a lot show up. He only had 6.6 boards, two steals, two blocks. 
but uh, picked up two early fouls, only finished with three. And I think defensively, he did a really, really good job on Garza because Garza was cooking in that first half. I think he had close to 15 points. Ended up only shooting eight of 21 uh, and finishing with, like you said, 20 points. Um, Creener really was the one that gave Michigan State problems. And that's not really surprising because he's at that four spot. And when you go two bigs like they have, um, Michigan State doesn't really have anybody but, to match up against. But that's that. that's the recipe to win is um, if you want guys like Creener to beat you. If you lose mm-hmm. to guys like Creener and guys like Connor McCaffrey, that's fine because that means that they did something that you didn't think that they could do. Right. And um, props to them. The real win, I think, in this game was the defense on Wisecamp. You know, he was one of eight. Um, this is one of the best. And this is this guy will probably be either second or third All Big Ten this year. Um, he's he's a stud, a great Robin to Garza's Batman, um, a true no show in this game. One of eight from the field, zero for five from three. He's a true marksman. Um, but uh, credit to the defense played on him, mostly uh, by Aaron Henry, who quietly. Um, had an, had an had a 17 point six rebound four assists and one turnover game for Aaron Henry. Yeah, that alone, uh, you know, we've said it before here. Like that is probably the biggest thing with Henry is is confidence and lack of being sloppy. If you can kind of count on him for three to four turnovers a game, getting a, a one turnover game is a real nice touch. Um, well, only hit seen, one of four from three, hey, but but you know what? <laughs> it was the aggressiveness where he was 5 of 10 from the field and 6 of 8 from the free throw line, getting fouled, taking shots, um, not afraid of the moment, whereas we saw Xavier Tillman turning down open looks, um, seemingly not trusting himself, yeah. which which is fine just now. We know that. Um, Rocket Watts certainly not afraid of the shooting <laughs> ball, leading the team scoring with 21 points, um, 9 of 17 from the field. If you played good rocket, bad rocket, your hangover is intense right now. Brutal. Um, if you're unfamiliar with that game, uh, you take a drink if rocket to something good, or you take a drink if rocket to something bad. You pick before the game. He filled up the stat sheet. Yeah, really on both sides of that coin. Um, nine of seventeen from the field, two of seven from three. You know, he's only shooting twenty six percent from three. This team, I mean, you, we talked about trying to have Creener beat you. Other teams, I think, look at Rocket Watts and want Rocket Watts or Aaron Henry to be the ones that beat you. And tonight they were good enough to answer uh, answer the bell. I think you saw a couple things in this game. Um, you know, the it's, it's the search for consistency at that third position. We were just talking about how all three of the wings showed up last game. Mm-hmm. This game, really only Henry. Gabe Brown didn't do a thing. Oh, for, only got two shots up. Neither three came particularly close. Kyle Arnes did close the game and allowed MSU to go small, which helped them push that lead out. Um, I still think the rotation is is absolutely mystifying to me, and I realize that Iowa is a big team. You have to play that four in a lot of situations. But MSU, I think we've seen consistently now enough, uh, when they go small, that's how they can win. Well, and let's talk about the the... The game plan was thrown out the window when Tillman got a second foul less yep. than before the first media timeout or less than five minutes into the game. So any type of balance in lineup, it was thrown out the window there, and now you're mish- mishmashing all the way through the rest of the game. Um, no Jack Hoiberg today. Terribly disappointed. Thought he earned yeah. some mins. Step back, Jack. Kind of not even kidding. Um, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just just excited from that game ending. 
I think the real watch out is 17 offensive rebounds for yeah. Iowa. The previous high was Eastern Michigan had 15 and a 53-point loss to Michigan State, so I won't even count that. Illinois um, had 13 offensive rebounds in both of their games against Michigan State. A little understandable considering Illinois' size um, with Georgie and um, Kofi Coburn. But this was unacceptable. Yeah, it, this, absolutely. This, it, but this is the pickle, though. I, I think this is like that crux of an issue where Michigan State's best players are not the, – the fact they haven't solved the four yep. is why this is a problem. Yep. If you have – and again, we don't like to point back to the Hauser thing because we no one should have ever expected him to get clearance. But if you have a Joey Hauser or you have a Nick Ward that allows Xavier Tillman to play the four, you're probably able to match up a little bit better. And instead, because nobody has emerged at that four spot. And at this point, you can't blame the guys that aren't there. No. You can only blame the guys that haven't stepped up. Well, and, and and so now you're stuck. If you want to play small against this team, this is what could happen. Well, and here here's here's my watch out. And maybe this is just selective memory, but the rebounds are on the offensive rebounds. Feel like they were on the guards more True. than oh now, rocket were, for sure. There were a few tap backs, which are just smart plays. Um, but a lot of the 50-50 balls felt like they were going to Iowa's way, which gave you the bad feeling about how this game would end because. Usually teams that are winning the 50-50 balls are going to end up pulling together the win. Fortunately, Iowa is coached by one Fran McCaffrey, who is incredibly soft as a human being. <laughs> um, this guy uh, blames everybody but himself, and I find that uh, beautiful that he can't look inward. He only looks outward. Um, and that's the reason why his teams always fold um, in the big moments. So preach, John, go in. No, I mean it's you get reap what you sow, right? So with that, uh, Fran McCaffrey's team is soft. And moving on to um, what to watch for, we have College Game Day round two uh, this Saturday in arguably uh, the biggest game in the country um, outside of St. Mary's at Gonzaga. Mm. But I'll get to that one later. Yeah, Michigan State heads to Maryland this Saturday, uh, February 29th, to take on the Terps, who are now two games up on everybody in... Game uh, and a half. Game and a half on Michigan State, actually. Excuse me, after tonight's game. Um, So, needless to say, after everybody kind of thought the hopes were dead, Michigan State could cut it to a half a game. Potentially even even tie it if Maryland falls to Minnesota later this week. I was going to say, cue the Undertaker rising from his grave. Yes. So it, it's very possible that th- this game has enormous stakes. And and listen, th- again, you're kind of at the point where you need to win every game to even have oh, a remote they, chance. Michigan State must win out, and if and it's a tough schedule. And if you, but they get to play two of the teams in front of them. Yep, it's it's what huge you want. opportunity. And they are both games you want to avenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get your home game on Cassius Winston Senior Night. And Kyle Lawrence and Connor George. Yeah, especially Connor George. Thank excuse you. me. Should have led with him. If, of course. So um, you're probably wondering yourself, Austin, John, you talk to me a lot about statistics mm. that maybe are more hopeful than actual. Sure. Does Maryland even uh, have a chance to lose at Minnesota? Actually, yeah. They are the that is the game that they are most likely to lose the rest of the way, which do what you will with that information. They're probably gonna be three or four point favorites. Um but actually favored to lose according to advanced metrics. So something to keep an eye on if you're listening tonight. But against Michigan State, Maryland will probably be um, a point or two favorite against uh, Michigan State. We saw what happened last game. Uh, Michigan State got down early, clawed all the way back. 
is probably as good or a better team than Maryland, but they closed the game on a 16-0 run, leaving Breslin shocked in its wake. Um, can Michigan State play one full 40-minute forty game, uh, 40 game against a real opponent? We haven't seen it. There, if there was ever a time, it would be the week of playing at Maryland and at Penn State. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Maryland did lose recently on the road at Ohio State. Um, and listen, they've been really good in the Big Ten. But, you know, it's really just been the, the road games for them that have been tough. I don't think they've lost a game at home so far this season. So um, we've talked about it before. Like you said, Mark Turgeon teams typically don't answer in big moments. Yes, they pulled it off against Michigan State. But huge moment here. I think it it, it this – so we're sitting here today, and I'm still – I think I'll move Michigan State after this win to Frisky. Frisky team. They're Frisky. Now yeah, I won't don't trust the frisky. Team, I don't trust a frisky team. I'm not. T- I'm not taking the meeting just yet. They're on the radar. They're in the competitive analysis, but mm-hmm. I'm not trusting them just yet. Challenger brand. Now exactly. Now if they are, if you go on the road and beat Maryland, I'm taking the meeting because that proves to me that you are a mentally. Maybe you've crossed. Maybe you're not mentally tough, but you've crossed a mental hurdle. For all of the gnawing or gnashing and gnawing online about Aaron Henry's lack of emergence to the third spot. Mm -hmm. He's kind of doing it and it may not be aesthetically pleasing um, to the eye, but if you kind of take a look at, you know, where he's at in the last handful of games, he's really been contributing. Again, we just talked about versus Iowa at home, the quietest 17 points that um, you can imagine before that um, uh, in a game at Nebraska, 13 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Um, The Maryland game, nine points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, one turnover. He's consistently in the past four games averaging double figures, excuse me, five games averaging double figures. Can he take the next jump? Can you get that to 14 points a game? And now that becomes a completely different thing where you're not relying on good rocket, bad rocket. Because mm-hmm. we can roll the dice and do that game. It's not fun. Listen, no whether you play or – if you're playing a game and Rocket Watts is on your team, you're rolling those dice. But it's, you know, a, you're it's happening. There's no a difference what. between relying on it and saying, Rocket, you need to go shoot we 18 need times rocket. a game. Right. And saying, it'd be nice if he dropped 20 today, but if mm-hmm. he doesn't, we can win. Yeah. There's a huge difference. Massive it. difference. And, you know, the, he is what uh, unlocks, and Izzo more or less said it last week, he is what kind of unlocks that small ball ability between him and Kyle Arns. Well, and Kyle is clearly playing hurt. If, if he's well, not yeah, hurt, he's playing. Thus, he's playing hurt. Absolutely. He's a step slow. Um, I don't know if he's always been a step slow. He just is because of his back and knees and ankles and everything. But he's providing effort plays. Now, do effort plays translate in crunch time minutes? I don't know. You'd like to meld Rocket Watts's physical gifts with Kyle Arnes's maybe mental fortitude and mm-hmm. stick to itness in 50-50 ball wins. Um, but that's learned. Rocket's a young kid. I hope he uh, can understand the urgency that Kyle and Cassius are going through mm-hmm. right now in their senior year. Yep, absolutely. And can I say one thing real quick before we move ahead? Mm-hmm. Thomas Kithier is not good. Okay. But but I'm just like I I tweeted out during this game, Thomas Kithier remains bad. And someone just responded to me and said, Your Kithier takes are so off. Now, Thomas, if it's you, that's fine. I'm okay with that. 
But to anybody else who can really – like here's where I'll give Kithier credit. I thought he played fairly well defensively tonight. Like that's okay. His season high of rebounds, he's crossed the four rebound mark. It looks like, I don't know, less than six times. Uh, he hasn't had more than four rebounds since uh, the year of 2019. His season high in points is 10, which he scored against Bingham since that Bingham 10 since then. He's had eight, and that happened again back in last December. Well, he's fine, and I think the issue with Thomas Kithier is if Thomas Kithier is your fourth big, you can really live with that. Like, you can live with that garbage man. Colby Wollenman. Like, you can live with that garbage man fourth guy, mm-hmm. but when Marcus Bingham starts and inexplicably and just doesn't play, and when Malik Hall is clearly not ready for the big time, and Thomas Kithier is the one that gets thrown in there at crunch time and can't catch the ball that Thomas – there that – Cassius lobs up to him, isn't ready to shoot, and then drops another one out of bounds. Like, he's not good. And maybe it's not his fault. But to to say that as long as he – like, this is where I think Michigan State needs to go small ball. Because if the option is either running a 6'5 Kyle Ahrens out there or even Gabe Brown at the four or Thomas Kithier, like, Here, I, I just don't know – like. You, Here's where we'll go with Thomas. Know. Here's where we'll go with Thomas. He is, he is, in my opinion, we're getting, we're not maxing him out yet in his potential. We're getting decent minutes from what you should expect from him. Right, but the problem is he's playing outside of the role that you should expect from him. He's, um, he averages 12 minutes a game. Um, should that be more? Should that be less? I don't know. Um, I think he's. I won't go as far as to say he's bad. He's exactly as what I think you are, he is. Like, and if that is objectively bad, then okay. But I just I'm not. I think he's he's he given the role that he has, he's bad for the role he's playing. I can, okay. He's bad for the expectations of his current role. He's not bad as just like a player in general. Like I said, I think he's a playable player in the right circumstance. But like, you can't have your fourth big playing in crunch time like that well and here's where you know i'll push back on it's is impossible for me to get mad at cassius winston but it's knowing your personnel too that's fair like don't put people in positions to fail like giving thomas Kithu the ball under the basket what do you hope happens yeah like he catches it and then is one-on-one with luca garza on the block pass right oh, thank you like well, there's no point to that play and so I'm just saying, like, to your point, we need to pl- find his strengths and play to them um, so that he can be a contributing member. Right now, because of your point of the lineup is in flux, it's impossible for someone to play to their strengths. They don't know what that is in any given moment. Right. What is expected of me today? I guess it's just a microcosm of the, the issues that I don't necessarily – I mean, shit, we're sitting here. It's March but here's, almost. Here's, here's, <laughs> what's, here's what's funny. Here's the difference, though, between – a team that can go to the final four and a team that loses in the first round. A team, anything can happen in those first four rounds, okay? Mm-hmm. And then big boy time comes in the final four and you are who you are. Right. Okay. Rocket Watson, Gabe Brown can can win two games in the first four rounds by themselves, separately. One happened game last, each. I mean, one game happened each. with Gabe last year? Yeah, one game each. Cassius Winston... And Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry just being the three up trio can win you two games. Okay. But once you get to the final four, if you don't have 
it all figured out, right. you have no chance of winning a national championship. There is no randomness to falling into winning unless you have a guy like Kemba Walker right. who can just drop 50. Or your, I mean, Shabazz Napier. Shabazz, Shabazz both went to UConn. Can Cassius Winston do that? Maybe. Right. I don't. I, we've seen him score 30 once. The point is we've, we've taken a huge leap from can this team win a national championship? Well, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. With this field, I don't even know. Who Maybe. Knows? Maybe. But what we do know is that if there is no rhyme or reason to the lineup, the rotation, they don't have a shot. Right. And you shouldn't be surprised, regardless of if the rotation is in flux or not, if this team loses in the first round or the national championship, because they're that anything they're in between. Enigma. Well, it's it's and it's not just them, like you said. I think it's the it's entire, the, whole, the whole field. Like the Big Ten is the perfect microcosm of college basketball this year. It's where it's, it's insanity. Just anybody can win on any given night, unless you're Northwestern. Um, all right. Moving on, Big Ten hoops last week and the upcoming week. Uh, last week, a couple big games took place. We already talked about one of them, which is Maryland losing to Ohio State on the road, which I think is kind of the one that made the Big Ten actually interesting. But there was a game on Tuesday that also was potentially a lifesaver for a team in Illinois. Illinois was spiraling out of control, goes and wins a huge road game, 62-56 to 56 at Penn State. One major key uh, player missing from Penn State was one uh, My- Myrion Jones, yep. who went 6 of 8 for, against Michigan State, if you remember, from 3. Naturally. Well, he's their third guy, um, and that's a huge deal. Every team, everyone in the Big Ten's got two. Yep. Everyone. Who's your? Th- the depth is what the separates you. Hmm. Um, so Illinois, I don't want to say saved their season, but certainly... Well, cut themselves within shooting distance of first place in the Big Ten. They definitely bought themselves an opportunity to uh, still contend. I would say they, they had took a big step to... I would say they probably locked up a NCAA tournament. Yes, I, absolutely. Because they With were they way. were on yeah. the fence. They were sliding. It's weird that you could could both contend for the Big Ten tournament title or regular season title and be on the bubble. Yeah, Illinois managed to do it. Uh, Penn State then continued their crappy week and went to Indiana and lost sixty eight to sixty. I don't want to say this wasn't a surprise. I mean, you just kind of saw it coming, like. Indiana, not necessarily bad, but there's something about Assembly Hall magic. Yep. Um, so so with that, Michigan State um, moves into, as you said, a game and a half back of Iowa. Iowa dropping to 10-7, and seven, which plummets them to sixth in the conference. Crazy. Michigan State up to second now with that win. Um, and this, this upcoming week gets crazy. Before that, let's talk about the national games last week. Kentucky seemingly pulling it all together here at the end of the season, going into LSU and winning 79-76. to It's what they do. Tyrese Maxey playing like the player everybody knew he was. Ashton. Ashton Hagen's still a stud. Nick Richards becoming that big for them. I'm not surprised. Kentucky, a team that I could absolutely see making a deep run. Uh, Dayton, 66th uh, over BCU, 61. They are, let's put it this way. We talked about Dayton. Are they for real or not? Do we want to play them or not? The end of the day, they're about to sweep the A10. Yeah, that's a big. Well, problem. this might be what you talked about it with the rest of the field. This might be the year where one guy, like you said, you with Shabazz or Kemba, Why this not? is a guy that might just be able to win your national championship. He could and, do it. And Obi Toppin. Typically, you want that to be a guard. Yep. But beggars can't be choosers. I mean, he <laughs> might he might be good enough to get them as as far as he can take them. I mean, what's Okiki took. Uh, 
Auburn damn mm-hmm. near to the well, to the finals, finals, to Final Four, and then he got hurt. But you know, it, it, listen, I, I won't rule that won't rule Dayton out at this point at all. Uh, Butler traveled to Seton Hall and lost seventy-two to seventy-four. That Seton Hall win from Michigan State way back. <laughs> That's looking pretty darn good right looking, now. That's their best win. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Seton Hall is um, not beloved by the numbers, uh, 20th in Kempom, but uh, leading the Big East, and that means something. Um, and then Kansas in the huge showdown versus Baylor. T- huge road win. Yep. 64-61. Kansas is the best team in the country. Yeah, I think Kansas has to be the odds-on favorite now. Which is, I, I think they have to be. You know what's funny? Thinking back to the Champions Classic, yeah. they felt like the least of the four teams. Yeah, they just didn't have it figured out at that point in time. I mean, when you – guys have just kind of come through from them. It's O'Shea Obaji has become like this well, revelation for them. A- A- Azabuki, yeah, Dotson. Dotson. Well, they are – Kansas – Bill Self is the same as Izzo in that – the guys figure it out. Seniors figure it out. Yeah, and the other part of it, too, is honestly, like, you know, here we could do the whole Bill Simmons thing where it's like, did that fight just really galvanize them together oh, where they went stop. and punched people in the in the stands and stuff like that? I don't know. Like, you got to give Bill, Bill Self, you know, I think as a, as a coach might be slightly overrated uh, just in that he gets incredible talent and kind of just lets them do their thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they – they really have pulled it together since like a, a kind of a rough patch there in the middle of the season. And that what happened to them can really tank a team. Like I, you can see that. Just, one or two, yeah. Right. And he managed to, to kind of get them together. But yeah, they got three guys, Obaji, Azubuke, and Dotson scoring in double figures. Marcus Garrett, not far behind. Isaiah Moss, the, the transfer from, mm, from Iowa, Iowa um, doing pretty well. Uh, still not a great three-point shooting team, but again, in a year that, is just kind of weird in general. They're probably the best team going right now. Yeah, I mean, and it might be because of the game, the other game that happened Saturday night. Well, yeah, um, Gonzaga goes down to my new team. You don't want to play BYU. Mm. You know why that is? They're, they're the best. Mormon. Well, they're not distracted by the vices of the world. Fact. Um, and also, they spend their time not being distracted by the vices. Shooting three-pointers, <laughs> leading the country in three-point percentage um, by a healthy margin. In fact, I believe the only team that has been unaffected by uh, the three-point line moving back and proving. Pretty impressive. Uh, 538.com actually did a whole article about them because it's kind of weird. So talk about a team you don't want to play, a team that can shoot over 40% from three. Yep, that's fair. Hard pass. That's fair. Yeah, I'm out. I don't want to go to Provo. Um, upcoming games this week, uh, National, Auburn heads to Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, Duke heads to Virginia. Virginia needs one, man. Hey, the Duke is currently in a dogfight with Wake Forest. They might need one, too. Virginia, on, on potentially on the outside looking in. Yeah, well, they might get name-brand them way through uh, being the national champions, but who I'm knows? I'm just saying, they're, no, they're I'm with on you. the bubble. I'm with you. And then, uh, finally, uh, game of the week for me, St. Mary's at Gonzaga. This would have been a little bigger had Gonzaga uh, pulled out the win yep. against BYU, but um, probably the best rivalry on the West Coast, right? I mean, yeah, and that is such a damning indictment of California basketball that they just have so many name brand programs and just nobody's relevant. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, so uh, let's head to the Big Ten. Rutgers at Penn State. Um, here's a real scenario that takes place. Rutgers loses out. 
Rutgers doesn't make the tournament. Uh, could you imagine a more Rutgers thing? I thought you were going to ask me if I could imagine this happening, and yes, it's potentially the most likely. It probably should have been the thing we were thinking about most. Why um, we hadn't thought in advance that Rutgers, who sits at 18 and 10, 9 and 8 in the conference, will travel to Penn State, they'll lose that game. Mm-hmm. Home against Maryland, probably a loss. Lose that game. Would and, love for them to win that one. Of course. And then at Purdue. Do you feel Not great about that. them winning nope. any of those? So nope. now they're sitting at 9 and 11 in the conference. 18 and 13 overall. Headed yeah, the that's a tough tournament. one, man. That's a real tough one. You because then if you lose in the conference tournament in the first round, you're toast. So they you're not getting in at 18 and 14. Right. Play eight. Play. Let's say they play Ohio State. Do you feel great about them beating Ohio State? It's Which Rutgers. You can name any team, and I don't feel great about them winning. There is a very real chance that they do not make the tournament, which is just. The most Rutgers thing, man. Yeah. I'm pulling for him. I was going to say, like, I'd feel bad for Rutgers fans to get their hopes up, but I got to think at this point that they can't possibly get their hopes up. They they do. They have. Ugh. This is the one good thing they've had in years. Um, also, Maryland at Minnesota, we talked about this one. I always say never rely on the Gophers to do anything good for you and don't gamble on mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. I will say this. You do always last, say that. They <laughs> It's my it's my life. It's role. just pretty much your your, uh, your catchphrase at this point. I've tattooed it on myself. <laughs> the Gophers did it last year. Mm-hmm. If you remember, a must win uh, versus Purdue, I believe. Purdue for Michigan State to have a chance at the Big Ten title. Yep. Which I believe they played Michigan. I can't remember who won the game though. Whoever won got a Big Ten title. Mm. Do you remember who won that game? No, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know who won that game. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. We'll look on it. It couldn't have been the team with with uh, a walk on and uh, two guys that were hurt. No. Anyway, Indiana at Purdue Thursday. Both teams are playing for their tournament lives. Yeah. So I think Indiana's in the same boat as Rutgers, where I am just absolutely unsurprised that they're they're been so shitty down the stretch that they're playing for their tournament lives. And I'm also not surprised they beat Michigan State. Well, and then I still can't. I guess wrap my head around Purdue beating Michigan State by 30. Yeah, that one will never really make a lot of sense. Both these teams stink. They like, suck. I get it. I thought Purdue might be a little better without – I let my personal bias against Carson Edwards come in here. Uh, <laughs> and we admitted it. Yeah. But, like, neither of these teams are good. And Purdue's beaten more than one team by, like, 35 points. Virginia. Virgi- they beat somebody else in the Big Ten recently by a ton of points. It doesn't make sense to me. I really Maybe hope Iowa by thirty-six. Exactly. Like I'm hoping that Purdue wins, though. Like absolutely hoping they win, because as much as I, I actually dislike them more than Indiana, hmm. but I love that Indiana would miss the tournament again. Like it makes me because so, they can throw like class trash around where they're like, "Oh, we're Indiana." I'm like, "All right, bro, make the tournament." Like, okay. like don't even win anything yeah. or hang a single banner. Just make the just tournament. literally make the tournament. How about this? How about Purdue beats Indiana and they both don't make the tournament? Great. Sign me up. Sign, done. And then finally, Saturday, the last big game, Penn State at Iowa. Iowa, do one good thing. Dear Iowa. We don't need it anymore. But, but we'd like it. I don't hate it. I, I'd i like it. I feel pretty good about Penn State coming down to earth a little bit. Yeah, we're at that point in the season where it's kind of big boy, hey guys, while we have the chance to win something, let's not tighten up. Mm-hmm. They're going to tighten up. The big tighten up. Yeah, and in Iowa, this feels like a game they'd win. It's at home. Iowa doesn't really lose at home. So I will say I will be full on rooting for the Let's go Hawks. Root for them on, on Saturday. Fran, 
Who will melt down hey. harder, Fran or Pat Chambers? The answer is always Fran. Yes. The answer is always Fran. I'm hoping personally that if we can come out of Saturday, beat Maryland, Iowa beats Penn State, and we're sitting sitting right there. Give me a little Minnesota win. Why not, guys? We've had a tough stretch this season. Hey, one game you can't control. Michigan State can't control their destiny yet, um, but certainly uh, can start to position themselves for a top three seed, if you can believe it, after after what, everything. Um, a win at Maryland could even vault them into uh, top two territory, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out. We'll be there with you. Yeah, we'll be here along for the ride. Guys, again, sincerely, thank you for supporting us through 100 episodes. Um, we hope to bring you, yeah, 100 more. Eh. Eh. We'll see. If we get to it. If we get there. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got about a six-month break coming up here soon. So, um, But seriously, guys, thank you so much. From the bottom of our hearts, we, we love that you guys listen, and we love doing this. So for John, this is Austin. We will catch you guys next week. See ya.